Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Preached at uh, Foster Street and I became a very I became a part of a very select group of people. So two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was in a Duncan Booth accident at church where I got a black eye, and it was bad. So Sunday, like, we had a Duncan Booth out of church, and I got hit in the face with the seat. I've, I've never been hit in the face with a piece of metal before, but I never want to do it again. Like, it was the worst thing. I thought it went through my face. And I woke up Monday morning and I was, I woke up and I saw the swelling. I could see the swelling from laying on my bed. And I thought, oh man, this is not good. And uh, so I kept that black eye for a full week. And I ended up preaching at Foster Street with a black eye. And so I think I became part of a very select group of preachers who have preached in the pulpit with a black eye. Like not many people can say they've been behind the pulpit with a black eye before. So two weeks ago... I did that. So y'all are in the presence of a very select preacher in the room this morning. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning a little bit first off about tomato plants, and then we'll get into our story. I'm not much of a gardener. I wouldn't consider myself somebody who has a green thumb, but I have dabbled in the world of tomato plants before. And I know that you go and buy them from wherever you buy them at. I would probably sway away from buying them from Walmart. I just feel like that's probably not the most appropriate place to buy a tomato plant. In fact, I don't even know if they sell them because that is not where I would buy my tomato plants. Um, This isn't a plug, but I would probably go to like Southern States or Tractor Supply. I don't know. Anywhere other than Walmart. Uh, So when you get the tomato plant, you go home and you... Hopefully have your soil ready already, you've got it tilled up, and you know, if you have it in your rows, you have it in your rows, and you take it out of the pot, the little black plastic thing most of the time. You put it in the ground, you water it, and you might put some miracle Grow on it, you might give it some extra nutrients and, and whatnot, and then it grows. And one thing that I want to specify is that you don't make the plant grow. In fact, you're a rather small part of that plant's life. Um, Yes, you may water it, but you watering doesn't make, like the water makes it grow. The sun makes it grow. The soil that it sits in makes it grow. You might have placed it where it was, and you might give it some extra nutrients, and you might water it, but you're not the person who makes that plant grow. The nutrients that you give the plant are what make it grow. And so it grows on its own. And so then it grows, and... Do I have people in the house this morning that like tomato sandwiches? William got pointed out real quickly right there. Yeah. So, uh, so your, your tomato plant, it grows. It starts out with the little green tomatoes, and then it continues to grow, and they ripen, and they get big and red. Is there a specific tomato brand that's, like, better than the red? Or, like, you know how I'm sorry? German Johnson. No, okay, German Johnson tomatoes. That's, like, the holy grail of all tomatoes, right? So you plant your German Johnson and it grows up and it's, 
it's big, right? And then we get the big German Johnson off the vine. We take it into our house, and we cut the tomato up. We get our white bread. We like the white bread. That wheat stuff's not good. We get the white bread out. Marita? Marita? Anybody? Marita? Wonder Bread, maybe? I don't know. I go with Marita. Put some mayonnaise on that thing, right? Salt and pepper. You cut your tomato up. You put it on there, and then you eat the tomato sandwich. Is anybody else's mouth watering right now? Somebody's like, come on. Uh, and, and you just sit there, and you eat your tomato sandwich. And if you're anything like me, you don't just eat one. You eat at least two because you can't stop after one, right? It's a tomato sandwich. And so you're, you're eating this, and you're just sitting there, and you're, you're just thanking God for this German Johnson tomato and this Duke's mayonnaise and this Marita white bread with this salt and pepper that don't matter what brand it is. And you just live in the blessing of eating this tomato and this tomato sandwich and everything that comes along with it. And you're just living in that blessing. And so today, I want to talk to you about living in the blessing of the tomato sandwich, but not the tomato sandwich. I just want to talk to you about living in the blessing that God gives you. Whatever blessing that looks like, it looks different across the room this morning. Your blessing may look different from your blessing, but I want to talk to you about living in the blessing this morning. I'll talk to you more about what that looks like here in just a few minutes, but if you would, bow your heads and pray with me real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come and to minister to these people here at Central. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us in our hearts, in our minds, in our ears. Lord, that you would help us be attentive, that all distractions would leave the room, that you would help us be focused on the word that you have prepared in me. God, it's not me, it's you. And, and I pray that these people don't see me, but they hear your word and, and the points that you have given me out of your word. It is it is you, and I give all the glory to you. So, Lord, be with us in this time as we learn in worship, as we worship in learning. God, we love you, and all of God's people said, amen. So I want to talk to you about living in the blessing this morning, and where I come out of the Bible in that will be in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, is where we'll be at mainly. And, and in 1 Samuel chapter 1, as you turn to your Bibles there, what you'll begin to read is the story of Hannah, more specifically the story of Samuel's family that where Samuel comes from. And so we get to reading about Hannah and we realize that Hannah's in a little bit of a tricky situation. See, Hannah has this husband named Elkanah, but as was custom back in their day, he did not just have one wife in Hannah. He had two and another lady named Peninnah. And this was you know, acceptable back in their time. And so it was not uncommon. And, and the problem is, you can imagine, um, just because it was allowed back then doesn't mean that jealousy wasn't a thing. Like if you take having a husband with two wives today, you can imagine that the two wives would be at some point in time jealous of each other. Um, that would happen today. That would still happen back then. Like just because it was allowed doesn't mean that jealousy wasn't a thing. So you can imagine that there's some jealousy between Hannah and this other wife named Peninnah. And you can see where more problems would arise when one of the wives is, is barren and the other is not. So what we have here is we have Hannah who is a barren woman. 
And she's not only barren and she's sharing her husband with another woman, but she is mocked by the other wife in the story. And you can see where that hurt would come in. It says in the Bible that year after year, the whole family would go up to their place of, of sacrifice and they would sacrifice. Elkanah would do the sacrificing for the family. And, and the Bible says year after year. So we don't know exactly how many years this went on. The mocking every time that they went up to do the sacrificing, there would be mocking from Peninnah to Hannah. It says it. It says um, in verse 6, her rival, so Peninnah, who was the other wife, was actually referred to Hannah as her rival, says her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And so in this sacrificing, uh, there would be this part of it called the fellowship offering. And so what they would do, they would take their, their animals that they would take to sacrifice and and they would sacrifice the, the portion to the priest. And then they would get a portion back because this was part of the fellowship offering. This offering was some that, some that went to God, some that came back to the people so that they could have fellowship and eat some of the offering that they gave to God. And in the Bible, it talks about how, how Elkanah would give Hannah a double portion because he loved her. Even though her womb was closed and she had not bared him any children up to that point, Right? Elkanah loved her, and so he gave her a double portion. And when I was reading this, it was a double portion would be similar to what the firstborn male child would get. And Peninnah had had kids by this point. So Peninnah had had male children and female children up to this time. And so while the first male child would uh, get his double portion, you could say he would actually get his regular portion, but his regular portion was a double portion. Um, Hannah would also get a double portion, which was larger than the portion that she should get because Elkanah loved her. And this would be equivalent to the firstborn male child's portion of the serving. So not only do we have two women who are sharing the same husband, we have one that's mocking the other because she's barren. And then when they go to do the sacrificing, Elkanah loves one obviously a little bit more than the other because she's not bearing him children, yet he's giving her a double portion. And so because he's, you would think like, you would think that Elkanah would have a little bit of a lean towards Peninnah because she's actually bearing him children, but he doesn't because he just loves Hannah so much. But she's mocked year after year. And so Hannah was so depressed, so grieved that she couldn't even eat. Year after year, this goes on. And finally, one year, uh, she's being mocked and she can't even eat. She's so depressed and distressed that she, she can't get food down. And I think we've all been there at some points in our life. We get anxious or stressed out to where it's just, it's just almost impossible. You feel like every bite you're going to take, you're going to throw up. I imagine this is where Hannah is at in her life. She can't bear children. She's being mocked. She's getting double portions that she can't even eat the first one. She's depressed. She's distressed. She doesn't know what to do. And so she, after this meal, she, she leaves and she goes to pray, and she's weeping bitterly. She's deeply distressed, as the Bible says. And she makes a petition to God. She makes a vow. The Bible says she makes a vow to God in verse 11. And she vowed a vow and said. So she makes this vow to God. And when she's praying, she's actually praying without speaking. And we've all been there. Like, well, you don't always have to be speaking to be praying. You don't have to be 
verbally saying things out loud to be praying, right? But you can imagine how it would look if I told you all to bow your heads and let's pray. And all of a sudden, you all bowed your heads and it was really silent. And after a few minutes go by, you kind of start to wonder what's going on. And so you look up and you see me up here going like this. You'd be like, what is this dude on? Right? And so what happens is this is how she's playing, praying. It says she's praying in her heart. She's praying within her heart. And so she's, she's kneeled down at this altar. She's praying, but, and her lips are moving, but no words are coming out because she's praying in her heart. And the priest that is at this temple at the time, uh, his name is Eli Wright, and he is concerned, as you would be if you looked up and saw me doing that. You would think I'm on something, right? Eli thinks this, this girl is on something. She, it says that he thinks she's drunk. And so he approaches her, and, she, and she, he accuses her of being drunk. He says, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring my soul out before the Lord. And so not only is she sharing a husband, not only is she not barren, not barren, or she is barren, I'm sorry. Not only can she not eat, but when she's praying to the Lord, she's being accused of being drunk. She's being mocked by her rival, as the Bible puts it, who she's supposed to be a co-wife with which nowadays would make absolutely no sense, right? And so you can see where at this point in time in Hannah's life, she's in quite the pickle. Well, Eli ends up finding out that um, she's not drunk. And here's where I want to pick up in Scripture with you real quick. If you could throw up 1 Samuel 1, chapter, or 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17, that is where I'll start. And that is where you can be in your Bibles. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17 reads, Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. And so this is where I want to stop, and I want to tell you that if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to write down. This is your first point, right? Cast your cares and take your prayers to God. I want you to cast your cares and take your prayers to God. And there's a little bit of a difference between just casting your cares and taking your prayers to God. Okay? And what I, what, what I mean by that is there's, there's a difference between just having lip service with God, doing the praying. Um, and sometimes when we, when we pray, we can just get in this habit of, of just speaking and actually not speaking out of our heart. Hannah was speaking out of her heart, but her lips weren't moving. Sometimes our lips are moving and words are coming out, but we're not praying within our heart. And so I want to challenge you not only just to take your prayers to God, but I want you to cast your cares on Him. Because taking your prayers doesn't always get the job done because sometimes we're lacking in our prayer life. And that's on us. But when we cast our cares on God, we're actually getting that weight off of us. And we're instructed to do so. If you were to turn to Psalm 55, verse 22 in your Bible, it says this, Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved, because God wants to carry your burdens. Amen? God wants to carry your burdens. Not only does He want to carry the weight, not only did Jesus take the weight of the sin of the world on the cross 
which would have been this huge burden for you and still is a huge burden for you because sometimes we live in shame when we sin and that can be a burden. Not only does he want to take that burden off of you of sin, but he wants to take burdens off of you that aren't even about sin, that are about barrenness, things that aren't necessarily all that important toward where you're going to go for eternity. If you don't bear children, that does not mean you're not going to make it into heaven. Yet this was a huge burden for Hannah's life. God wants to carry burdens beyond just sin. And you're instructed to cast your cares on him. And so take your cares and cast your take your prayers and cast your cares on the Lord. Because when you cast your cares on the Lord, rather than keeping your cares to yourself, the whole situation you're in changes. When we read about that in the Bible, in verse 18, if you could throw that back up, she, she tells Eli that she's not drunk, and he figures out that she's actually not drunk. We assume that she's you know, speaking with sober thoughts at this point in time in their conversation, right? Eli figures it out. Eli blesses her, says, may the Lord grant your petition. And then in verse 18, this is what happens with Hannah. She says, let your servant find favor in your eyes. And then, she turn, then, then it turns to her situation, not just what she says. And then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. We, we know just before this, just before she goes to do this praying, she couldn't even eat. She couldn't stomach anything. She had a double portion. We know that this was going to be a nice meal because it's a fellowship offering to the Lord. We're taking a nice, a nice ram or a nice bull. We're sacrificing it to the Lord, right? One without blemish. So this is going to be a fattened calf or a fattened ram. This is going to be good meat, right? She has a double portion. She can't even stomach it. Yet when she takes her prayers and she casts her cares on the Lord, we know that she leaves eating. Not only does she leave eating, but her face is no longer sad. Before this, she was weeping bitterly and she was deeply distressed. That's what the Bible says. But once she takes her prayers and she casts her cares on the Lord, she leaves eating and she leaves no longer sad. Because your whole situation changes when you take your cares and you cast your cares on the Lord. Rather than carrying the weight of everything that it is that you have going on in your life, when you throw that weight on God, your whole situation changes. You're relieving yourself of weight. Whether you realize it or not, you're actually relieving yourself of weight. And no, the, the number on the scale might not say it. I don't mean that you're actually taking physical weight off yourself. But if you've ever been there, and I know that I would, I would at least hope that everybody in this church has, real, has done this before. When you take your cares and you take them off your body and you cast them on the Lord, you just feel lighter on your feet. Can that get an amen? amen. Like you know when you finally relinquish the care of this burden that you've been carrying in its own God and you actually trust Him with what it is that you're casting on Him, you just feel lighter. I think of it like when you're casting a net. Has anybody, has anybody ever casted a net in here before? Like a big fishing net. My man. Anybody else? Come on. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, we got some people, right? All right. Uh, there's a term for, yeah, there's a term. When you throw a really nice net, what's the term? Ca okay, when you cast it and it lands. I never threw a nice net. Never threw a nice net. <laughs> It's called a pancake. I'll give it to you, okay? It's called a pancake. When you 
throw the net out, right? And this is a big fishing net I'm talking about, right? You have all the weight in this one arm. You have a, you have a single weight and like in, in a finger or two. And then you turn your whole body, you throw the net, and hopefully that thing spreads out as wide as it can possibly get. And it smacks the water, and it looks like a pancake, okay? Listen, when you're holding that net on the boat, or maybe you're on land, Honestly, you better hope you're on land because if you're on a boat and you happen to get into some wake and you're rocking and you got some extra weight on you and you're rocking, you never know when that right wave is going to come. You got to time it just right because if you're throwing out, right, and the wake comes just at the right time and you're leaning forward, you're going in the water with that, with that net. You're going to find yourself in a predicament, right? But when you actually take that weight off of your arms and you throw it out onto the water, you're trusting that the net is going to do its job. It's no longer your job to get the fish in the net. Like hopefully you see the fish and you're able to throw the net onto the fish, but once that net is out of your hands, it's no longer your job to get the fish. It's the weight that sinks down and then the net that catches the fish and then you pull it up. It's no longer your job. And that's similar to casting your cares on the Lord. Whenever you cast that burden on the Lord, it's no longer your job to carry that burden. It's no longer your job to make sure that that thing is solved. Now, God might give you opportunities to solve that thing, and then that's when you take action, but you have to wait on the opportunity. And sometimes He will just solve the problem for you by a miracle. Because He still works miracles today, folks. He does. And so you need to cast your care. You need to physically get that weight off of you. And this, when you cast those cares and those burdens on the Lord, this is what takes you from distressed, depressed, oppressed, and all those other words that end with est, right? It takes you from these words to an attitude of gratitude. And that's when you thank God. If we were to look at 1 Peter 5, Verses 6 and 7, this is what it reads. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. God cares for you. And when you cast your cares on Him, that is when, at the proper time, He will exalt you. And you will know that that burden is taken care of. But we have to make sure that we aren't secretly trying to hold on to these things and these cares that we are casting. And let me just, let me let you in on a little secret. First off, God knows when you're secretly trying to hold on to those burdens that you're casting on Him. Like, sometimes we might want to cast the care on God, but maybe, our, maybe, we've, maybe something has rocky has happened in our life, and when we go to throw that burden on Him, we want to keep a little bit of it because we don't know if we trust Him completely with the burden. And, and if we're all honest with ourselves, I think we've all been there. Like, I want to throw this thing on you, God, but I, I, I also don't want to let go of control of it because we like control of our lives. Like, if we like anything in this life, we like control of our lives. But God knows when you're secretly trying to hold on. If, you just, if we go back to the net, right? If you were to cast that net 
And, and I know that there's a string that you have to hold on to. But if you were to cast that net and all of a sudden you were to see that it was not going to turn out to be a pancake. Right? You have a good reputation of pancakes. And you realize it's not going to be a pancake. So you want to take that cast back. And you're going to do everything in your power to get that net back into the boat. Because you don't want somebody to see you not throw a pancake. Because you're pancake king or queen. Right? We throw pancakes in here. Right? If you were to go to grab that net, you're going in the water. Because you have thrown that weight and it is going away from you. And especially if you're on a boat, you're probably on somewhere where you don't have a lot of room to move around because you're standing up on the, the top of it. You're not, you're not down in it, right? You throw that net and if you go to grab it, you're going in the water with it. And so when you go to cast a burden on the Lord and you don't completely let go of it, He's not going to completely have control of it. Because you're the one that's holding on. And so who knows if that burden is going to actually be taken care of? Who knows if that burden is actually going to be lifted off of you because you're trying to keep control of your life? I want to take a look at verse, uh, Matthew 21, verse 22. It says, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. The last four words of that verse, verse are, If you have faith. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And so if you ask in prayer for God to take this burden off of you, and you do it without faith, is that burden going to be taken off of you? Is it? If you do it without faith, is that burden going to be taken off of you? No. Because you don't believe that He can take it. And so when you ask for something in prayer, you have to ask, making sure that you're asking in faith. Because asking without faith means you're like, well, I don't know if this can happen. God, I'm going to throw this on you, but just in case, I'm going to keep a little bit of control. Because you're not asking in faith. And sometimes when we don't ask in faith, that can translate into trust issues that we might have with God when we're affected by other things that have happened in our lives and trust issues grow between me and God. This means that you like to remain in control of things like I've said and you don't relinquish them fully when you don't ask in faith. And so you need to make sure that when you are taking your prayers and you are casting your cares on the Lord, that you are throwing them off knowing that that weight is going to be carried. Just because you're relinquishing control over one burden or one aspect of your life does not mean that it's going to go uncarried because God's waiting there with arms wide open, with hands out, asking you to cast your cares on Him because He will sustain you. So take your prayers and cast your cares on the Lord. And if we can go back to our story in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, I'm going to pick up in verse 20. And it reads this. So we know that Hannah was praying for a son, right? Verse 20. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Verse 21. 
the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Because what we find out when she's praying back when Hannah or back when Eli thinks that she is being drunk. What we find out is she says, do not disregard your servant as a worthless woman for all along. I have been speaking out in great anxiety and vexation. And then she goes on to speak about how she will give, she will lend the child to the Lord for all of his days. And that's what she wants to do with Samuel. She wants to have a child. How unselfish, first off. She wants to have a child so that she can lend him to the Lord for all of his days. But we know before that they go up to do the yearly sacrifice, she tells Elkanah that she wants to stay back until the child's weaned. Because she wants to live in the blessing that God has provided her in that child. She doesn't want time to rush by. She doesn't want to move on to the very next blessing. What Hannah wants to do is she wants to live in that blessing up until she has to stay true to her promise. And so my challenge to you today is to live in the blessing that God has given you. Because a lot of times, and I've noticed this here lately with not just a lot of people that I've been talking to that I have very intentional conversations with, not, not just with other people, but even with myself. A lot of times when we get a blessing we've been praying for, we immediately move on to the very next thing that we can get from God. And it's almost like that we treat God as a means to an end. God, I'm praying for this one thing or I'm praying for this one situation. And then he solves the situation or he, or he allows you to acquire the thing that you need. And then as soon as you get that thing, you're like, okay, God, you provided me that. Now can I come over here and ask for this? It's like we don't know how to just be happy and content with the blessing that God's given us in the moment. I've prayed for this, and I've prayed for this, and I've prayed for this, and now I got it, and now I'm moving on. No. I've prayed for this, I've prayed for this, I've prayed for this, and now I got it. God, thank you. I'm just going to live here for a minute. Instead of just treating you like, like a bank and asking and seeing how many blessings I can get out of you. I'm just going to live here and be thankful for what you've brought me through recently or the situation that you've got me through and, and the burden that you've picked up off of me. I'm going to live here in this space because this is what you provided instead of moving on to the very next thing. And so I want you to live in the blessing. When can you think back to the last time that you weren't asking God for something? And, and I don't mean like unselfish things. Like we can, it's totally okay to, to ask for healing for somebody else you know. And, and you can do that for multiple people. And if that person's healed, you can immediately move on to the next unselfish thing. Like if you're not praying for yourself and, and things about your situation and your life. Not that we shouldn't neglect those things. We want to pray for ourselves. But I don't mean when you're praying unselfish prayers. When you're praying for other people. We can do that all day, every day. And we can ask for blessings for other people all day, every day. 
and we can continue to ask for blessings for those same people at all times, right? We also want to pray that those people would be content with where they're at too, though. But when you, when's the last time you can think back onto your prayer life and think that you have not been praying for something for yourself, a situation, a habit, a burden, something along those lines? When can you think back to the last time that you have not been asking God for something for yourself instead of just thanking Him for where you're at? In order to begin living in the blessing, we must first acknowledge the blessing that we're in. And we can think back to the blessings that we receive every day as well. When we acknowledge the blessings that you're in, you can always be content with where you're at in life. And yes, that may sound tricky, but it definitely says that throughout the Bible and in Philippians, where we read that, that you can be content in all situations in your life. Because you can think back to the blessings that you receive every day, like the blessing of creation. The fact that you are on this earth is a blessing. God's grace and his mercies are a blessing. Your family and your friends are a blessing. Your job, whether you like it or not, is a blessing. His provision the way that he provides for you is a blessing. Answered prayers are a blessing. And get this, unanswered prayers are even a blessing. We just may not know it. What some of us refer to as blessings in disguise. Those are blessings. Psalm 103 verse 2 through 5 reads this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He gives you all these things. His benefits and forgives your iniquities. If we take a second and think about what it looks like to, to move on from a blessing, I think to buying a pool, right? Hopefully, hopefully none of us are praying for pools. Like, I hope that's not part of your prayer life. There are more essential, should be prioritized things than praying for a pool in your backyard. Uh, and the funny thing is, if you are praying for a pool and you're praying for it to be an underground pool, and you get an overground pool, you're probably going to be not happy with it, but that's a different sermon. We'll go there some other time. But I think of it, if I'm coming up with an illustration about asking for a pool, and you get the pool, and as soon as you get the pool, you don't even enjoy time with the pool, but you move on to asking for a hot tub. It's like, can you not be satisfied with having a pool in your yard and just take one year or a summer or whatever it is and just float around in your pool, be thankful that you got a pool and worry about the hot tub some other time? Can you not just live in the blessing of floating around and getting a suntan while staying cool at the same time? Pools are amazing, by the way. Can you not just live floating in the pool in 
the blessing. So take your prayers and cast your cares on the Lord. Live in the blessing. And then this last point as we, as we wrap up is what we read in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. It reads this. It says, this is Hannah speaking, talking to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I'm the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. And so what I want you to do after you live in the blessing, after you have cast your cares on him, I want you to stay true to your promise. Stay true to your promise. If you make a vow to God, as it says earlier in the chapter that Hannah did, when you make a vow to God and that vow comes with something that means if you get this, you're going to do this, stay true to that promise. Because staying true to that promise is staying true to the purpose that God gives you that promise for. And when you don't stay true to your purpose, then God has to... to redo that purpose. He, has to, he's, he, he will find another way to fulfill it. But he has to go a different route. And you need to be faithful to God because he is so faithful to you. And the thing is, God is one of the easiest parties to break a promise with because he's not standing right in front of you. I can make a promise with William all day and I know William's going to keep me accountable to that promise. But when I make a promise with God and he's not standing right there in front of me and my convictions might not be at a high point in life, it's easy to let that promise that you make to God just leave and forget about. But we want to stay true to our promise. And, the, and here's another thing. Changing a promise is the same thing as breaking a promise. If she were to say, Lord, can I... Can I have Samuel for five years before I give him to you? Or can I, can I have him through his youth before I give him to you? That would have been changing the promise. The promise was that she was going to lend him to the Lord. And as soon as he was weaned, which makes sense, she can't just give him to God right out the womb and expect him to be taken care of. Like That just biologically does not make sense. Could it be done? Yes, I don't put anything past God, but it doesn't make sense, right? After the child was weaned, she stayed true to the promise. She didn't change the promise because changing a problem is the same. Changing a promise is the same thing as breaking a promise. And God loves it when you're faithful back to him, and he uses that for good. When we read about the story of Samuel, which you can read in all of 1 and 2 Samuel, when you go through that and you read that, God used Hannah's faithfulness for good, and God will use your faithfulness for good too. And keeping promises tends to bring even further reward. We find out that later in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel that Hannah ends up having more children. And because Hannah was faithful, God blessed her with more. If you are faithful with little, God will bless you with much. And so we need to make sure that we are being faithful with the blessings that God gives us. And I haven't said all these things this morning 
Band, come on up if you're doing another song. I haven't said all these things this morning to get on to you. I'm not getting on to you. Um, I just think that sometimes we need things to be brought to our attention that we need to be made aware of. Sometimes you just get in the flow of asking for so much that it can just keep rolling and keep rolling and keep rolling. Then you don't really, you, you're, you, just, you're, you continue asking God for things. You don't even realize you're doing it. You're just doing it. And so I'm not getting on to you. I'm just trying to bring to your attention that it's okay to not ask for things. And it's really okay to just sit there and be thankful for what you have. And so the challenge is to live in the blessing. God deserves our best. And if you aren't giving God your best, then no one's getting your best. God deserves your best. And if he's not getting your best, then no one is. And so you need to make sure that God and your relationship with him is your highest priority. So cast your cares and take your prayers to the Lord. Live in the blessing. Be content with where you are and what God is giving you. And then what he has given you, make sure you stay true to the promise. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the story of Hannah and the faithfulness that she has. Lord knows how this Bible would be rewritten if Hannah wouldn't have been faithful. And so, God, we ask that you would give us the faithfulness that Hannah observed to give away a firstborn child. Lord, we ask for that same faithfulness. And so I pray that through this message, these people can take this message and apply it to their lives to become more faithful, to become more loving, to live in your grace and mercies and your blessings more freely. God, to know that you care for us and you want us to cast your cares on you. Help us know and not have any doubt that you will sustain us. God, you are so good. And we just ask that as we go throughout this week, you would keep this message on our minds and on our hearts and help it change our lives. Lord, we love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said, Amen.